All right. Welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, one of your podcast co-hosts, and you can follow me on Twitter at TalkinACCSports. That's at T-A-L-K-I-N-A-C-C Sports. The podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can follow him at ASD underscore Hokie Smash. I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now to get the podcast started, and uh, we'll take a few minutes for our guests to join us. Uh, we'll do a little review of the ACC baseball seedings and the current results of the NCAA softball tournament. Turn it over to you now, Matthew. And I see, by the way, that James has joined the room, and it looks like he's live. James, are you there, friend? Yeah, can you hear me? I yeah, can we're... hear you. We can hear you loud and clear that we're, we're happy you're here with us tonight. This week we have James Curl. You can follow on Twitter at, at James Curl. That's at J-A-M-E-S-C-U-R-L-E. He's on Twitter. That's where you follow him on Twitter. He does a lot of work at Pack Pride. He's been an NC State podcaster for more than a decade. Trust us, he does awesome work, and we're happy to have him back here as a return guest on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. This is the longest-running independent ACC podcast in the United States, and James is here tonight to preview 2023 NC State football. James, welcome back, friend. We're really happy to have you here. Please, before we start, tell our listeners about yourself. The floor is yours, friend. Thank you for Well, I guess the eighth time was the charm. Uh, we, we finally got it working here. Um, I appreciate you having me back on as always. Um, you know, just um, still plugging along, uh, doing the Pack Pride weekly podcast with Corey Smith. And, uh, you know, uh, I know we, we didn't have initial plans, it looks like, from our outline to talk women's tennis, but, uh, you know, proud of the women's tennis team for advancing to the title game and came up one win short uh, against uh, Carolina for the national championship. But, uh, Excited for them and uh, excited to get a chance to talk with you guys again. Outstanding, outstanding. So, man, let's before we get to football, give us your thoughts on the NC State's 2022-2023 uh, men's and women's basketball seasons. The floor is yours, James. Well, um, as far as the women's side, let's start there. Um you know, it was a little bit of a disappointing season. Um, they dealt with some injuries and uh, some chemistry issues. And uh, I think anyone associated with the program, including Westmore, would tell you that they were, um, you know, they underperformed relative to their expectations. They, they rather quickly ramped up, you know, their expectation levels over the last five years or so. And, um you know, uh, didn't quite have the same magic that they had had in prior seasons. You know, they really felt the absence of some of their star players from years past. Um, so, you know, some players have left. Uh, they've brought in some new talent in the transfer portal and, um, you know, hoping for, you know, a, a turnaround for 2024. Um, as far as the men's team is concerned, um, you know, it was uh, – there were – Parts of the year where it felt like NC State was one of the the better teams in the ACC, and um, you know, DJ Burns was a huge revelation. You know, he got the opportunity to get extended minutes because of some injuries as well, and uh, he quickly became a very uh, big crowd favorite. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, big crowd favorite um, in NC State, uh, but you know, kind of a throwback player, a guy like to kind of play in the post and, you know, score around the rim with all sorts of, you know, creative shot making, um, you know, just kind of ran out of steam there towards the end, um, ran into a, you know, a really strong, um, you know, Creighton team there in the uh, NCAA tournament. Felt like if we'd gotten past Creighton, it would have been uh, a chance for a really magical deep run just because of all the other teams that had been knocked out um, earlier in the tournament, but, um, you know, I think, uh, and, and I should not, uh, overlook the contributions of guys like Jarkel Joyner and 
Traquavion Smith, who um, are going to be, um, you know, moving on because of graduation. Also, Traquavion trying his hand. Um, hopefully, we'll we'll hear that his name get called during the NBA draft in the upcoming. Um, I'm not sure when the draft is exactly, but um, you know, he's a guy that probably could sneak into the back half of the first round uh, if a team falls in love with him. But um, you know. Uh, the, the transfer portal has now made it so that uh, you kind of just start over from scratch every year. And so we had a, uh, a better than expected 2023 and, you know, we'll see a lot of brand new faces. Um, we did find out, I think today that Casey Morsell is going to be returning to the men's team this upcoming year. And that's good. Um, you know, as a, a guy who can shoot consistently well from three, you know, we, uh, we'll need him to kind of spread the floor a little bit. And DJ Burns is back, and um, they'll be adding some new pieces, some size uh, in the post. You know, D- DJ's problem was that he tended to pick up some fouls and also had some conditioning issues. So if we can, you know, not rely on DJ giving us 30 minutes or more a game and get his minutes down in the 20 to 25 range and spell him with some other guys who can score and also play defense. Um, I'm thinking that we can, um, you know, have a, a year that, um, I don't know, it, it's, it's tough to, to uh, look too far ahead. Um, but I think once we get to the fall, we'll have a better read on the men's team. Fair statements, James. Great analysis. Jeff, you're up, friend. We're going to talk about NC State football. All right, James. Thank you, Matthew. James, happy to have you aboard here. Um, what are some of the major strengths uh, coming back for NC State football this year? Well, um, you know, the defense is is kind of the, the calling card during the, the Doran era. Um, you know, uh, one of the, I guess, key returning elements to this team, uh, not necessarily from a player standpoint, is, you know, coaching staff stability on the defensive side. Uh, Tony Gibson is still there as the DC. And uh, I don't think there were any uh, positional coaches that uh, shifted that I can think of right off. So from a defensive standpoint, you know, coaching wise, um, it's a a return of a lot of familiar faces. And we're also going to have back uh, Peyton Wilson, uh, who was part of that tremendous linebacking trio Last year, um, Isaiah Moore and Drake Thomas have both uh, uh, signed as undrafted free agents, and I think they've got a decent chance of sticking at their teams where they've landed. But um, Peyton Wilson will return, and uh, which is good for Peyton. I think he he needed to come back. You know, he needed to answer the question of whether or not he could stay healthy for an entire season. And I'm hoping that for his sake, not just professionally, but just you know, uh, these are young men who are flying around and, and uh, subjecting themselves to a, a lot of punishment each and every week. Um, I'm hoping that he can enjoy some, uh, uh, you know, uh, a, a wire-to-wire full season without any major health issues. Um, we've got a lot of other linebackers that, uh, you know, are going to be stepping up to fill the shoes of the guys that have gone on to the NFL but, you know, I think, you know, from the defensive back standpoint, um, that they have uh, – they showed last year that they were capable of um, keeping this team in some games and shutting down uh, some teams who were trying to throw on them. And I think uh, as they continue to, to grow and get better, they've brought in uh, some, you know, highly talented kids – um, I, I think NC State uh, fans and, and fans who uh, of the ACC watching this team will see that it's going to be continuing uh, continue to be a, a difficult task to throw on them down the field. Um, and then up front, you know, there's some familiar faces returning as well. Um, I don't know that you'll see kind of the the wrecking crew wrecking crew up front, um, but you know, in in terms of which unit stands uh, to be the most talented uh, defensively, it's probably going to be the defensive backs. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, you know, the, the crazy thing is, uh, you know, we're not 
you know, we lost our quarterback to Kentucky to transfer. Uh, our offensive coordinator now, Coastal Carolina's new head coach. And uh, so there's going to be some new faces there, Robert and I coming in. Um, I've always been kind of a big fan of his offense dating back to his time when he was with Virginia. Um, so I'm excited to see, you know, what, you know, Robert and I can do. You know, Brendan Armstrong transferred in from Virginia to NC State to reunite with his old uh, position coach and will most likely be the starting quarterback there. Um, so, you know, I think you're going to see a, a different look to the offense. You know, the, the offensive line has some familiar faces, but, you know, I do think that uh, at quarterback and at running back as well, there's going to be um, some guys to like. Uh, we did lose Demi Sumo Karing Bay to the transfer portal. Um, you know, uh, he also wound up at Kentucky, oddly enough. So <laughs> both – um, Leary and Sumo Karambe ended up uh, there in Kentucky. Uh, so uh, Kentucky, oddly, is going to be a team that I'm going to be following closer than I usually do. Um, but uh, I do think that, uh, you know, state fans are going to be excited to see what the offense does this upcoming season. All right, very good, James. Uh, Matthew, you have something you wanted to add here. I am glad you talked about the defense, James. There is a very Virginia Tech flavor to that defensive line play, and I I do recognize a, a few familiar faces in that sideline. From yeah, Coach Wiles, Mister Lunchpail, uh, coming over. Um, he was a, a huge addition to uh, the coaching staff. And I want to say the uh, defensive backs coach came from Virginia Tech. Right, well. Mitchell. Is, yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I don't think there's any uh, coincidence that uh, our defensive back play has picked up since his arrival as well. So kudos to uh, the Hokies for allowing us to uh, to borrow some coaching talent <laughs> from you guys. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Jeff. All right, thank you, Matthew. Uh, James, going on the other side here, what are some of the major weaknesses uh, that you're looking at this year with NC State? In other words, um, what do you think the pack will be working on in August before the first game? You know, and what are the questions you think have to be resolved for this season to be successful? Well, I think the um, I'll kind of go in the same order I did uh, previously, do, uh, defense and offense. Um you know, defensively, I think um, will this team be able to be able uh, will be able to generate enough pressure and pass rush from its uh, down linemen to take some of the load off of the back seven. Um, you know, the as talented as you know any defensive back group is, if you leave them out, you know, uh, to defend, you know, wide receivers or uh, running backs, tight ends, slot receivers uh, for four or five seconds, uh, somebody's going to get free and you're going to you know give up a huge play. So the, the front uh, three have really got to – excuse me, front four have uh, really got to figure out a way to um, – sorry, I, it is the 3-3-5 the three, three, that we run still. Um, so the, front, the down three linemen are going to still have to figure out a way to generate some – um, some pass rush. Um, they, they've always been pretty solid at stopping the run under Tony Gibson's system. So I'm not really concerned about uh, nullifying the running game. But, you know, today's college football throws the, uh, the football around so much that, you know, uh, even a team that wants to be one-dimensional can beat NC State when there's not, uh, you know, when the linemen aren't getting to the quarterback. So, need to make sure that, uh, you know, some of the talented guys that we've seen come through in the past, um, that they have uh, adequate replacements there and uh, take a little bit of a load off of the back seven, back eight, as it were. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, uh, the key weakness is going to be our wide receiver group. You know, two years ago we had a Mecca Mezzi, and he really, you know, shined out for Devin Leary, made him, you know, uh, I mean, they were a, a pretty dynamic duo, the two of them. Some of the, the highlight throws that you saw Devin Leary complete, the game-winning play against Pitt was a, a huge one during Leary's time at NC State. 
um, you know, it was Amezi on the back end of those uh, throws. You know, Amezi was the guy who made that comeback against Carolina possible uh, in Carter Finley um, two years ago. Uh, he left, and we saw a pretty big drop off in production from Leary and from the wide receiving core. So um, we're going to need to see some guys come in, fresh faces that can, you know, revitalize that and and step up, start producing, and and make Brennan Armstrong's job a lot easier. Um, you know, Brennan Armstrong uh, and Robert and I's offense can only do so much, you know, you can scheme a lot of guys open. And I think one of Robert and I's skills is pinpointing a weakness and lat, you know, finding a guy that um, is a mismatch for a given opponent. But, you know, uh, the better defenses in this league and in the country are going to figure out ways to stop you. And you've got to have, uh, you can't just be one dimensional, one player that uh, defeats a team you got to have production from everyone uh downfield and so you know we'll talk about you know fresh faces and recruits that are coming in and there is a, a wide receiver that a lot of folks have looked at you know that have joined nc state uh from the freshman class that we'll talk about in just a bit but you know we really need to see the wide receiver group step forward in a big way from where they produced last year <laughs> all right um, James, you know, as you alluded to, who are some of the new recruits or players in the transfer portal uh, that have impressed you the most? And are there any that you think will get major playing time right away? Well, the guy that I was mentioning uh, that I think a lot of fans are going to be keeping an eye on is Kevin Conception. Um, uh, he is a, a kid out of Charlotte who was a, a high three-star kid, um, 5'11", 173 not a uh, you know a huge uh guy he's not going to be that um prototypical uh six foot three jump ball kind of guy but i think he's a speedster and a guy who has enough talent to where he might get a lot of burn early on and um you might see him uh play a big role um, there's going to be a lot of nc state fans that are looking to him to make an immediate impact um, as a freshman, um, you know, there's, uh, as far as the, the portal is concerned, you know, it's, um, I think as I look at, you know, some of the pages here, uh, as, as we try to, you know, kind of keep tabs on, you know, guys that are coming and going, I think it can be really tricky for <laughs> even some of the professional sites to, to keep track of, uh, where all the uh, the guys are coming and going, but um, I do know that uh, NC State has targeted uh, some guys um, in the portal. They, I'm sure, they would love to take some more if they could. I think one of the problems for NC State is that they um, they do such a, a good job. The, you know, the culture has been built up over the years in such a way that there aren't a lot of guys who um, look to move on. Um, and so that can, I mean, it's a good problem to have. You want to make sure that guys aren't fleeing your program like, you know, rats off a sinking ship. Um, but at the same time, you know, in today's age of the portal, there does need to be a little bit of turnover to free up some scholarship space. And there's just not a whole lot um, that um, has freed up. So the, the challenge for the coaching staff is in the portal. They know they need to get some talented wide receivers in. Um, but it's been hard to free up and, and find space. And so um, in terms of one guy to, to look to, Kevin Conception is that guy, I think, you know, they're also just going to need to get more production out of the existing wide receivers that are on the roster because, you know, there's a, there is talent there. Um, they just, you know, whether it was um, guys, speedsters who just were not, you know, had issues with drops or trouble tracking down passes um, or guys who were just not um, skilled enough route runners to get open um, as effectively as they need to. Um, I, I think that, you know, there's uh, guys that are already on this roster right now who need to step up and, and produce in a, uh, to a higher degree than they have in years past. 
Okay, very good, James. Uh, James, as you look towards the NC State schedule, what are the two most important games on NC State's schedule this season? And, and give us your take on those games. Um, well, I'll tell you what, let me make sure uh, I don't speak out of turn or misspeak um, because I've been, uh, you know, and I think uh, you guys, you know, Matthew's all about hockey. Uh, he's from that part of the neck of the woods. Uh, I've, we've been down here in Raleigh. We've been uh, full bore into uh, the Canes and their unfortunate start to this uh, series, but they're they're off to a, a pretty deep run in the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. So I, I, my brain has not been wired to think football here for just a bit. So I want to make sure I pull the schedule up and and uh, and can refresh thoughts on that. I mean. Got it pulled up here, and and you know it's funny um, as I look at the the start to the season. One of the perhaps the most critical games is going to be that road game at UConn. I mean, um, I know it's crazy to say, but you really cannot run the risk at all of starting the season zero and one with a road loss to UConn. I mean, if you drop that game on the road, and and we saw you know Jim Mora have success in the back half of their season last year with UConn. I think they ended up taking them to a bowl game, if I'm not mistaken, um, after, you know, not really much expected from them uh, to begin the year. I mean, if he continues to build and, and do well and uh, fields a competitive program up at UConn, and conversely, if NC State struggles to get off the bus and, uh, you know, get its footing offensively or maybe gives up a special teams touchdown. I mean, we saw, I mean, NC state fans hate to think about this, but we had a huge game against South Carolina in Charlotte a few years back and very opening play of that game was a um, kickoff return touchdown by Debo Samuel. Um, and we never recovered in that game. You know, if you give up a kickoff return touchdown to UConn in that game, you could find yourself playing catch up that whole day. And they've moved it to a Thursday night game, I believe, to start the season. So, um, you know, it's, uh, the, you know, I know as weird as it sounds, that might be the most critical game in the first half of the season just because of the fact that you need to start the year off on a good note and get to want to know as you prepare for that next game hosting Notre Dame. I mean, you know, obviously it'll, it'll anytime you host Notre Dame, it's a big deal. Uh, the last time we did, it was in a hurricane. I don't know. <laughs> I hope that it's a little bit drier weather than that uh, slog fest uh, from 2016. But, um, you know, uh, you, you want to be 1-0 as you host Notre Dame and feel, you know, better about your chances and maybe pulling off an upset there. Um, as far as the rest of the schedule is concerned, it's, you know, it's fairly favorable. You get Clemson at home. You get Miami at home. Um, you know, you have a, a home game against Marshall, uh, kind of one of the rare, for us at least, uh, mid-year non-conference games. Um, you know, I'm trying to just at a glance see which one might be most critical. Um, you know, it's uh, homecoming against Clemson. I, I'm, I'm trying to avoid Clemson being the immediate answer, but, I mean, gosh, if you can, um, you know, you beat Clemson at home uh, two years ago in dramatic fashion uh, in overtime, and you want to feel like you can um, get back on the winning side of things against uh, that team in the Atlantic. Now, you know, uh, the good news is that we don't, uh, we aren't in a situation where – one loss to Clemson prevents you from getting to the title game uh, because you're, you know, 0-1 against the, the top team in the Atlantic division. Uh, at the same time, you know, you still want to feel good about being able to be um, one of the best teams in the conference and finish in the top two. And if you want that, you, you're definitely going to need to get that game against Clemson. So pinning it down to two games, I would say – you know, get that opening win against UConn, and then if you can win against Clemson in the middle of the season uh, on homecoming, 
you know, you're going to be in a, a pretty good spot for the rest of the year and, and maybe feel pretty good about your chances of representing the, you know, I need to get out of this habit of saying representing the Atlantic. There's no longer the Atlantic. Thank God. Uh, representing your school in the ACC title game. How about that? All right. And as a follow-up, James, uh, what do you have uh, NC State's final record for the season being? Oh, God. Um, well, let's see here. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's say win against UConn. Uh, uh, I'm going to say loss against Notre Dame. Uh, win against VMI. That's uh, That puts you at 2-1. and one. Um Virginia, I'll say, is a, a road win. Uh, so three and one. Louisville at home. Um, gosh, I don't know how to feel about Louisville. But let's be optimistic. Say four and one against Louisville. Um, I don't think the magic early season magic against Marshall will carry on. Let's say five and one against Marshall. Um Duke is going to be tricky on the road in Durham. That's an ex that's a game, by the way, that I think a lot of state fans are excited is back on the schedule. We we so rarely got an opportunity to face Duke when the divisions were uh, divided up. So I'm excited uh, about the opportunity to to face uh, Duke on the road. I'm gonna I'm going to uh, chalk this one up as a loss just because I want to be generous and kind to the old ACC. So five and two, um, not feeling super confident. I will say we'll actually drop the game against Clemson. Um, uh, let's say we rebound against Miami. Where am I at? Six and three at this point. Um, gosh, at Wake, that's always a loss. Six and four. Uh, <laughs> Matthew, how about a, a win on the road at Virginia Tech? <laughs> <laughs> seven and four. Uh, and then we, Dor Dave Doran still has that magic against Carolina for some reason. So I'm going to say eight and four uh, with a, a nice home win against Carolina to feel good about ourselves. All right, Matthew, I'm going to turn it over to you for the last couple questions in the podcast. Sure. I hope he's okay with me. Uh, no, no, I, 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 I was, I was completely okay with that. <laughs> I have, I have Virginia Tech right now at five and seven. That's where I'm putting the Hokies at this year. Mm, you know, I don't, I don't, I think it's going to be an improvement over last year, but there's still a ways to go in that rebuilding project because Fuente kind of burned that place down before he walked out. Yeah. So, uh, I and I think I actually think I actually think. And I, I'm actually more confident than you. I think you're going to beat Wake Forest this year because I think they lost a lot of players, and I think that it's really going to, it's going to be hard. I mean, sure, it's toward, toward the middle of the end of the season, but they lost uh, they lost really the most productive quarterback they've ever had in the history of their program. Would you say? I mean, I think that's probably yeah. the case. And I think it's hard for somebody to come in and fill those shoes. You know the year. You know the year. The year. The year after. So and so. I. I. I'm a little more optimistic than you. I think you. I think you could end up. I think you could end up at nine and three. Well, I watched Philip Rivers in 03, uh The the I think it was the week after we went up to the Horseshoe in Columbus, Ohio, and go to overtime and, and lose a thriller there. Come back and and lose to a not that great Wake Forest team. Uh, and I'm with you. <laughs> you know, I, I, I've seen, I've seen the program that Dave Clawson has built over there and, and it's, you know, he's done a tremendous job. I have all the respect in the world for Dave Clawson. Uh, I hate what they've done to us over the years. Uh, they've been probably the biggest roadblock in the way of Dave Dorton ever getting over the 10 win hump, uh, to be honest. Um, but, um, I, I don't know. I agree with you. They lost, you know, a great quarterback uh, there, but you know, he's um, I, I, he's built up a program that's, you know, I won't say plug and play, but um, I'm, I'm feel pretty confident guy that he's got coming in this year. will will be able to run that slow mesh uh, and, you know, um, 
you know, they, they may have some wide receiver questions as well. Cause I think AT Perry is gone. Right. Um, so um, I, I hope you're right. Your lips to God's ears. I hope uh, we get a win over in Winston-Salem because it will be a, a rare thing to, to get it done over there. Oh, no, for sure. I mean, you know, Wake, Wake I mean, at, before last year, Wake, I mean, NC State was kind of a fluke field goal away from being 0-5 against Wake Forest. So I, I am with you. Yeah. But I do think I do think it's going to be a little – I think I think he's – I think they're just going to have too much to overcome. That's just my personal opinion. I think they've lost – I mean, they've lost other a couple of other players to the transfer portal, if I'm not mistaken, too. I mean, every player. I mean, and that's you know, that's and I think you brought up a good point earlier about NC State not losing as many you know players from the transfer portal. I think at Wake like Wake lost a cut lost a couple of others this year too. This year too. So I. That's just a. It's a big challenge to. I mean, nobody. I you know that if I'm not mistaken that. Guys, that their quarterback, their starting quarterback transfer to Notre Dame. Is that correct? Yeah. So we'll we'll actually get to face him this year. <laughs> oh my gosh! I so yeah, that. <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. Right. Okay. So here we go, man. I mean, give us the state. What is NC State? What 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 are the fans bloggers thinking about the status of the NC State program, James? I mean, I want to. We're here to get your true feel, like. I'll give you a good example here. I mean, of where I was sitting from my ACC perch because last year I wrote an article. I I was extremely disappointed when NC State lost to BC last year. I have to be frank with you, and I, I wrote about that because I thought that that was. There are some times when I think NC State gets over the hump, right? That that you know what you're going to get from them, and you know what you you can expect from them, and then that happens. And you know, so I'm. But then they, you know, they perhaps get a win or two that, you know, puts them in more encouraging status and puts throws people back on on the bandwagon. It's kind of the way the Hoka, the, you know, there's a lot of things that I guess I would say that Virginia Tech and NC State fans have had in common for several years, except for the last couple of dire years at Virginia Tech. Well, I, you know, the, the, the overall. I guess overarching feel of the Dave Doran tenure has been, you know, close, but not quite. And of a guy who has come really close to getting over the hump in on several occasions, you know, um, but just hasn't quite um, been able to cash things in. I mean, you know, you get that big win against Clemson, you know, two years ago, and everything was in line for you to to be able to um, make it to the ACC title game. And, um, I mean, Pitt was having a great year that year. I don't know if we would have be- beat them or not. Um, but, you know, nevertheless, uh, you know, the fact that he's not yet had a 10-win season but had several 9-win seasons has been, I think, somewhat frustrating. Um there's not, you know, it's weird. 10, 10 versus nine is kind of arbitrary in one sense. You don't really think of a big gap in, um, you know, between nine and eight. Uh, both are considered good years, but not spectacular. Whereas 10, for some reason, is that uh, double digit victory mark that, um, you know, is kind of arbitrary. But at the same time, there's so few programs that actually do it. Um you know, by by its rarity, you can kind of assume that it is a a, a mark that's really really hard to achieve. Um, and but for Wake Forest, um, you know, five or six years ago, Dave would have gotten, you know, the the ten win mark that nine win season. Um, it just didn't happen. And you know, a few years back during COVID, would have had ten wins most likely if they had the opportunity to play UCLA in the bowl game and and UCLA backed out because of COVID issues. Um, so there's been real close looks at it, but but not quite. Um, I think last year was a, a disappointment uh, because you had a returning quarterback who a lot of people felt like really had the opportunity to be kind of you know the guy in the ACC and. Um, Leary just had kind of a, a you know, a B plus season. Um, you know, he, he'd gotten a, a, an A or A minus year, uh, season the year before, 
you know, in terms of touchdowns, the interception ratio and the yardage he put up. But as we talked about earlier, you know, he really felt the loss of Emeka Amezi as his primary target and just never really was able to get on uh, the same page with his receiving core last year. And there were games that, you know, just, uh, you know, slipped away. And then, of course, he got injured and you were dealing with backup quarterbacks the rest of the way. Um, you know, the, the UNC win was nice. Uh, it, it's always kind of special when you're having a down year and you still pull off a win against Carolina. Um, you know, it, it um, has been – Dave's been oddly, you know, successful in that regard. Uh, seasons – I think he's only had one year where um, – maybe two, where Carolina was the dominant team and they played like it. You know, usually when Carolina's been favored, uh, they play tight and State comes in as loose team. And you saw that this past year with Ben Finley. Had a, a, a you know, a game of almost a career uh, in one game you know, to, to play like he did and, and get that win against Carolina to kind of salvage some good feelings. But – I mean, you're you're not wrong. That that loss against BC was tough, um, and it just uh, you know was kind of a, a a definitely the low water mark of of last year. So um, that's kind of a roundabout way of saying I think fans, believe it or not, this far into the Dave Doran tenure, are still kind of um, unsure if Dave's going to be that guy that can elevate the program to the next level. In fact, I think a lot of fans would tell you that he's not, um, but he's also done well enough to where it would be almost foolish to consider making a coaching change unless there were several seasons of implosion back to back, you know, like you'd have to have year, several years in a row of, I think losing seasons, maybe two years in a row of losing seasons where you were like, okay, it's clear that Dave, you know, the, the magic was, if it was going to happen, it would have happened by now. And it just hasn't. Um, it's rare when you see a coach that's at a place for longer than a decade, you know, and especially rare for a guy to be there for that long and to, uh, to suddenly transform into, uh, you know, an eight or nine win coach into a, uh, you know, regular consistent title winner conference wise and someone that, would be regularly competing for the playoffs. So state's kind of in this, um, I don't want to say no man's land because you're, you still feel pretty good about having solid years of, of eight and nine seasons, but like anything else, people's expectations get elevated and then they want more. And, um, you know, I'd rather be where we're at now than to be, you know, perennially in the, the cellar. Um, but it also can be kind of difficult, um, when you, you don't have any real expectations that uh, outside of, you know, a couple of um, magical circumstances feeling like you've got a decent chance at winning a, a conference title. That is outstanding analysis. That's better said than I have ever heard anybody talk about the status of NC State football. Well done, James. So. Here we go, friend. Open microphone time. What do you got for us, James? Anything you want to talk about? You can talk about the you can talk about the Carolina Carolina NHL team because I think they probably I think they they'll they'll probably find their way back. I sure hope so. Um, yeah. So um, you know, um, I mean, put, putting a pin in the uh, the current. Uh, O2 hole that this team finds itself in against the Florida Panthers. Um, it this past season from a hockey and NC State perspective was really great because you saw. I don't know if both guys got a chance to watch the outdoor game that was played in Carter Finley, but man, it was really a wonderful uh, exhibition of you know the the marriage of the two of the two institutions. You know our school. The fact that they share PNC Arena together uh, has always meant that there's been a, a link between the two. But you know, uh, being able to to set up Carter Finley, get the ice out there, um, have the pet band, you know, on the field playing during the game, uh, 
um, it really turned that outdoor game into uh, a very, you know, college atmosphere. I mean, most of the, the stadium series that they do are held in, you know, like Fenway or, um, you know, professional either baseball or football. But to, to be um, – to have a, an NHL team that has such a close relationship to a college um, allowed – for the, the college atmosphere to be injected into that game. And it really was fun to see. I know it irritated the hell out of the, you know, Carolina and Duke fans who are like, Hey, we pull for the Canes too. Um, and they felt like it was a three hour long ad for, for NC state. Cause I know Dave Doran got some airtime and Derek Wittenberg and David Thompson, uh, brought the team out onto the ice. Um, and uh, so it, it, it felt really special. And then two nights later, I got the opportunity to go see State host and defeat Carolina's uh, hockey team. Uh, I should say UNC's hockey team. Uh, the NC State hockey team got to host UNC on the same ice. And um, it wasn't the you know 50,000 people that it was for the NHL game. But, man, it was such a great atmosphere and kind of showed what potential there would be for college hockey in the triangle. Um, it's, it's an underrated uh, hockey town. And I'm, I'm so happy that the team, the, the NHL team, the hurricanes are doing so well, because I think it's indicative of, you know, the, the type of fan that we have in the, here in the area. And um, NC state fans have been kind of living vicariously through them <laughs> to enjoy some success, uh, uh, especially as it relates to, uh, you know, a professional franchise. Um, but, um, you know, uh, I mentioned it earlier, proud of the, the women's tennis team. They got on a huge uh, tear there at the end of the year. They beat Carolina in the ACC final to win a, a conference championship. Um, I, I, I really would have liked to, if I was going to uh, see the team come up short in the title national title game, would have loved for it to have been any other team but Carolina. But, uh, you know, sometimes that's just how the gods like to punish us. Um, but uh, proud of them. And, and you, know, um, you know, I wish the baseball team was having a better season. But, you know, they could still make a run in the ACC tournament. And, and who knows if they if – they, uh, it, it would be a very NC State thing of us to struggle all year long in baseball and then somehow end up winning the ACC tournament. So um, I would take it in a heartbeat if that's how it played out. I will ask you one follow-up question on the NHL. Sure. Is Matthew Tkachuk perhaps the second, first or second best player in the NHL right now, because I just think he's just been incredible. I mean, Connor McDavid is really the only person that I can put in the same name with him on the same breath on the. Well, he's certainly uh, number one at the top of uh, public enemy number one list here in Raleigh right now. Um, I mean, to, to get a, overtime winner in a series is is no small feat and then to do it in back-to-back games um i mean he's he yeah i mean he's uh he's no doubt one of the best players in the nhl and uh <laughs> you know he's he's got the swagger to go with it and i'm sure if you're a panthers fan you love seeing it um the way that he scored the game winner last night and then immediately uh, bolted for the exits um, was if, if I could, uh, you know, put myself in the shoes of any other fan base other than the Hurricanes, I would have thought that was funny and uh, enjoyed it. Uh, you know, it, 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 it didn't sit well with me at the moment, but I can step back and realize that, it, you know, he's a, he's a guy who's playing at the top of his game right now and um, is seemingly in the, the, the right place at the right time to make those game-winning plays. Um, that that scoring play they had at the end of overtime last night was about as pretty as it gets. And, I mean, you, you tip your cap to the, the Panthers for kind of that tic-toe passing, uh, tic-tac-toe. I, I forgot a, a player there in the, uh, <laughs> in the assist chain. Tic-tac-toe passing. Um, and uh, he, he was the guy and, and buried it. And, you know, there's something to be said for um, – 
you know, you get your opportunities, but you have to be good enough to, to complete them. And the, uh, excuse me, the hurricanes had their chances, um, hit some post and, and had opportunities to beat Bobrovsky. I mean, Bobrovsky is just playing out of his mind. Um, and you know, I think you're seeing the Hurricanes are, are missing their injured players um, right now because you'd love to have a Svechnikov back. You know, you'd, you'd love to have um, – oh, who's the other kid that they brought in right before the uh, the deadline and immediately got hurt? Um, I'm forgetting his name. But, you know, uh, the, those, those guys not being in the lineup is putting extra pressure on guys like Sebastian Ajo and um, – Seth Jarvis and, and other uh, players in this roster. And, um, you know, just Carolina's just got a little bit too little firepower uh, to, to beat a guy like Bobrovsky. And, uh, you know, at, at some point you also had to just give credit to the Panthers for, you know, getting hot at the right time and and playing like the, the roster that everybody expected it to. I, I think if I'm remembering correctly – uh, the Panthers are in a similar situation, or were in a similar situation uh, last year to what Boston experienced this year, where they, you know, had a tremendous regular season, may have set the record for points in a season that Boston just beat, and hit the playoffs, and I think were eliminated in the first round. And so they came back this year with a purpose, and are playing like it, and. Um, so, uh, you know, at some point, you know, you, you run into the hot team with a hot goalie and, and a guy like, you know, Kachuk or Tuchuk, Kachuk shows my, uh, my level of knowledge, uh, that I can't get his name right. Um, but you know, oh, let's just call him Matthew. He's another <laughs> Matthew. Maybe this is why, is this why you brought him up? I don't know. He's uh, he's really been playing. He's really been playing well. And I think you hit the nail on, you hit the nail on the head because I mean, they go in and they beat Boston. Then they go beat Toronto. And that is a hard place to win. And they just got hot. Like you said. And when you run into a hot team that has a hot player and a hot goalie, it's one of the few things, one of the few sports where everything can change. And I think, the NHL really has a good thing going on, right? Because the rook because of the rookie cap for for three years, and it kind of levels the playing field for a lot of teams when they come in. You know, for franchises when they come in. If you look at how how well Seattle did in number in year number two under under Dave Haxtell, and I and the people from Philly were always crashing him, and I'm th- kind of thinking, no, it was your ownership that never wanted to get the best players <laughs> on the ice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. You know, the, the Hurricanes uh, are fortunate to have an owner in Tom Dundon who's uh, made some um, moves aggressively and, and it's clear that he he's the value in, um, you know, building a franchise that's a winner. You know, I, I feel bad for – this is kind of a tangent, but I, I do feel bad for fans of franchises where the owner is just in it to, to hold the team as an asset – and you know, milk as much money out of it as possible without really being aggressive, making moves. Um, you know, like the Pittsburgh Pirates. I mean, gosh, um, they, they might have one good season a decade, and and if they um, most of the years, it's just they sell off pieces. And and um, you know, I I just feel for fans of franchises like that where it's clear that the ownership is just not invested to the degree that it needs to be to be a winner. Um, And uh, I do feel fortunate that the Hurricanes seem to be in a position where that's the goal. You know, they've, they identified and were lucky enough to, to have in uh, one of their former players, a tremendous coach in Rod Brindamore. Um, By all accounts, everybody loves playing for him. So I think it's going to be easy to convince guys to come to the team. Um, I love Burns. Like he's my new favorite player. Um, man, like he's just, he, his slap shot, it will, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how some of these goalies are, are gloving some of these shots that he, uh, you know, he's firing at the, uh, the net. Um, but he's, he's mean and nasty and has no teeth and, uh, it's great. <laughs> um, but you know, they're bringing in guys and, and putting the team in a position, uh, to win. And, you know, I really feel, uh, it, 
you know, the, the unfortunate thing is now, you know, Carolina's got to win two out of three on the road and sweep the rest of their two remaining home games um, if they are fortunate enough to force a game seven. And um, that's a real tall order against a team that's playing as well as Florida is right now. But, um, you know, if it ends up being that, uh, you know, we come up short against the Panthers, uh, I I feel pretty confident that the Panthers are going to be the ones who end up winning the cup because they're just they're playing on another level right now. Definitely, definitely. Jeff, you're up. All right, I'm going to hit some things really quick here from the beginning of the podcast with the uh, NCAA softball tournament. Clemson has advanced to Super Regional. Is going to place play Oklahoma and that that juggernaut. Um, but this has been a tournament of some upsets here in softball, so always a chance. But that that's going to be tough. Um, Florida State advanced uh, to the Super Regional. They'll be hosting Georgia. That's one of the most intriguing uh, series of the Super Regionals there uh, for softball. And Duke advanced, and they'll be hosting Stanford. So three teams from the ACC advanced in the women um, in the women's softball tournament. On the baseball side, uh, this week we have the ACC baseball tournament. I think when you when you go across the the tournament and you look towards the NCAA tournament. Wake Forest, absolute lock. Uh, they're going to be a top eight seed no matter what happens this week. Uh, number one team in the country. Virginia playing for a top eight seed. Clemson playing for a top eight seed. Uh, Miami, uh, they're going to probably have to win the ACC tournament to go that far, but they're in position for a regional seed. Um, in Wake Forest's pod, you've got Notre Dame and Pitt. Pitt's got to win the ACC tournament to make the field. Notre Dame is on the bubble, and if they could get out of the pod with Wake Forest in there, it'd go be a long, it'd go a long way to get into the field. Virginia's pod has North Carolina and Georgia Tech. North Carolina, um, they're probably stuck in that two or three seed range, uh, too far back for a regional seed, um, but a lock for the tournament. Uh, Georgia Tech doesn't have enough pitching to get through the whole tournament. In Clemson's side, you've got Boston College also playing for a regional, um, not a top eight seed, but maybe a top 16 team. That's a solid ball club. Uh, could could cause some noise, but Clemson's been red hot. Virginia Tech has the same problem as Georgia Tech. They can hit, they can't pitch. In the pod D with the fourth pod, Miami, you've got a Duke team that just a couple weeks ago was playing for a top eight seed and kind of slid down since then but um you know if they were to come out of that pop win the acc they could still get a top 16 seed nc state trying to get into the tournament um and that's probably the most balanced um pod of the four and would not surprise me if nc state found its way out of that pod and would lock up an ncaa bid in my opinion if they won so as always uh the acc baseball tournament is featuring eight probably eight, maybe nine teams that'll be in the NCAA tournament. You know, a lot of really good baseball. It's kind of stunning that Florida State and Louisville are not in here, two, kind of the flag, two of two of the uh, flagship baseball schools in the ACC didn't make the tournament. And then you got to hit what happened this week at the ACC uh, spring meetings, and I'm just going to hit a couple bullet points. ACC, it's not dissolving. Not dissolving. No teams are going to the Big 12. Let's come on. Let's be serious here. No one's going to leave the ACC for the Big 12 right now. Um, but it is a it is a fact. Teams are looking at the grant of right. I don't see how anyone would not be doing that at at this point. You've got to do your 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 due diligence. Um, I mean, should an invite come from the SEC or the Big 10, you've got to take a look at it. No one no one would argue that point at all. But like we've Matthew and I have been saying on here for years, this grant of rights it's going to be very difficult to break. Uh, no one's been able to do it yet. There's been no magic loopholes. Um, people have been looking. It's just simply not there. I don't think that's not to say that you know we may make it a twenty thirty six, the end of the media rights contract. Um, but Matthew and I's stance has been, you know, we we've stayed with this. It remains the same. I still think nothing happens in the next five years, uh, at least. It's just too long. And, you know, when you see Texas and uh, Oklahoma getting all the way to the end of their contract, 
before leaving the Big 12 for the SEC. It's it's just extremely, extremely unlikely, no matter what Twitter says. So that was our take from the uh, ACC meetings. And of course, ACC, no matter what goes on, they've got to work on revenue, revenue, revenue. Yep. Well said, Jeff. And and I, I would like a, a word or two from James Phillips, or Jim Phillips, excuse me, about that subject, because he seems to be pretty quiet about that. And maybe some strategic communications and strategic plans are in, are in order and maybe a dissertation study. A, uh, oh, James, you probably don't know about that. Uh, uh, in 1985, there was a Virginia Tech student who wrote about how the conference and, and it's how the conference itself and the membership school should use this, use the, I'm kind of chuckling a little bit that, about this, use the tools of strategic planning. And he did an evaluation in, in, in his dissertation. This is, of course, before Virginia Tech was in the ACC. This is 1985. And he found out that the schools and the, and the, the conference were not necessarily using the schools, the tools of strategic planning. And I'm thinking a follow up dissertation might be in order. Yeah, <laughs> I, I will say in in fairness, Jim Phillips did do some interviews this week for a change. We still haven't heard too much on the strategy, but he he did say more than he's he said in a, in a long time. He I mean he has a daunting task. There's no question about that. Um, but but he did say that they're still working with with ESPN. Who knows what will come with that? And and he seemed encouraged by some of the things, um, his consulting firm said. And you know of course they're not going to catch the SEC and Big Ten, that, that's that's just not going to be possible. But if you can get it back to within, you're, you know, you're, you're in a, a competitive range, um, like the uh, Florida State AD said this week, if you can get it back into a competitive range, you know, you've got, you give your skills a, a chance for your schools to compete on a national stage. And, you know, it might take three or four things at once to make up, at, you know, make up some of that gap. But it, there's no you know, magic that's going to catch it all up at once. That's just not possible. But I mean, increased revenue is increased revenue, you know, no matter what it is. And he did, he did mention some things that at least give a little bit of hope, I would say. Well, I do think that, um, you know, uh, an agreement that, you know, uh, centers around, you know, like if you're a, uh, you know, a Clemson or a Florida State, if they end up, you know, having the, the season that a lot of folks are predicting, you know, if they go to the college football playoff and, and you know, get uh, generate, ad, um, you know, some added revenue for the, the conference. I mean, I think it's fair that they see a uh, proportionately higher amount of that funds than. Yeah, than, totally you know. agree with you. So, you know, like, you know, I. So if, if they come up with a structure where, you know, it's that you, you know, you do see a, a, a larger piece of the pie based on, you know, whatever added revenue you bring to the conference, I don't think there's a, a whole lot to complain about with that. Uh, I don't know that it's enough to make up the gap, like you said. And I think the gap, if it gets astronomically wider, like it sounds like it might based on some of the projected future TV deals, um, I think the the bigger focus is going to be how do you spend the money that you do get more effectively than uh, trying to just simply come up with dollars that match, you know? Um, Cause at some point, you know, uh, if you're making, you know, 25 to $30 million a year and a team in the big 10 is making a hundred million dollars a year, um, there's no level of, uh, creative accounting that can get you anywhere in that same ballpark. But yet, you know, there's a lot of programs that don't make $30 million a year that are able to field solid football teams. Um, so, you know, figure out how you can make the most from what you get and put less of the focus on strictly how can we close this gap to ensure that uh, we're making you know, $80 million a year if they're making a hundred million dollars a year. Cause I just, I can't see there being any scenario where members of a conference outside of the big 10 or the sec are going to be able to come anywhere close to that. Um, if that day comes 
you know, if you've got those two conference members making that much more money than everybody else, and I think that's going to be a pretty seismic change for college sports. Well said, James. Well said. Great points. James, thanks for coming on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. We loved having you come on the show, and we would love to have you come back on during the midpoint, perhaps during the midpoint of the college football year. Thanks again for joining us tonight, friend, and we appreciate you spending your Sunday evening. Thanks as always for having me. I always appreciate the, the conversation with you. Have guys. a great week, guys.